Hello and welcome to Spiritually Queer with me, your host, Jane Lyon, where we talk about all things that intersect queer life and the spiritual path. We'll be exploring everything from sexuality to new age spiritualism, while of course keeping things rooted in tradition and celebrating queer liberation as human liberation. This is a warm and inclusive space for all to come and explore their queerness, their spirituality, and to live in devotion to creating a new earth. Shambhala is right here in front of us. Are you ready to dive in? Hello, my beautiful, beautiful, spiritually queer listeners. I am so excited to have you back for another episode. This episode was supposed to come out like two weeks ago, but the interesting thing that you will learn about in this episode is that the autoimmune disease that I now have, thanks to the stories you're going to hear in today's episode, had the worst flare-up last week. I have been so healthy and and really not... Um, thinking of myself as someone who is chronically ill for the past five years because my health has been so good. And it's just so wild how after recording this episode and, you know, maybe just brushing off the heels of burnout a little bit, um, I crashed, you guys, and um, I got so sick and it was terrible. And I'll probably do some blogging about it to just kind of give you guys a little bit of a lowdown on what it was like. A, for anyone who's living with any sort of autoimmune disease, chronic illness, um, I feel for you, shout out to you, but we don't want to make that our whole personality, right? We want to like transcend that diagnosis. We want to overcome it as best as we can while also like following that line of like taking really beautiful care of yourself and really listening to your body. So this has been a huge wake-up call for me to listen even closer and what better place to go deeper into my healing journey than here in Tulum. So um, yeah, I wasn't expecting to take two weeks off of work, especially while we're getting ready for Healer School, but I'm so excited because Healer School starts tomorrow night. We have class one tomorrow night, and this is just like the biggest leap forward that I've ever personally taken in my work, and I know that for those of you who are in healer's school, this is such a huge step forward for all of you. So I am just absolutely thrilled over the moon, A, that I'm feeling better, and that I get, get to, I get to get back to teaching. We're finishing Meditation Mastery this week. We just finished Sanctuary last week, so I'm definitely in an interesting eclipse Right now, my time in Tulum is very sadly coming to an end, and um, yeah, so I just want to make you guys a little bit of an intro today to just kind of check in with you, touch base with you, and also prepare you for today's episode. Now, today's episode, this is actually like one of my favorite episodes I've probably ever recorded, and I was so nervous about it, and if you read the name of the episode, then you probably know why. Today, I will give a little trigger warning. If you don't want to talk about eating disorders, if you don't want to talk about anorexia or bulimia or anything along those lines, today is not going to be a good episode for you. But if these are things that you struggle with, even at the most tiniest little level, I really hope that you will listen to this episode and just open yourself up to the support honestly, that Gab and I are here to give. And um, Coach Gab, she just completely changed my life. And you guys will get to hear all about her on this show. But um, she makes this mental health issue 
that is so scary, not so scary. And I think that's what I love about this episode so much is that to me, this is such a fucking serious life or death topic that I take so seriously that like I'm also not totally 100% comfortable talking about so openly. But this is my coach and I tell her everything. Like she knows all the deepest, darkest thoughts that I have on my mind. And it's like she shines a light on them and goes, yeah, it's not that scary, is it? And I'm like, oh, it's not that scary. So, you know, after two weeks of not being able to eat any food and living off of like bone broth and green juice and trying to come back from that, it's like, wow, I really need my coach right now to help me get back to like full health because this experience has been triggering as fuck. I will tell you that. So, um, yeah, this episode is, is for all of us because I know that like everybody in the world struggles with food on some level. Um, but if you are someone who needs help, if you really, really need help, and like like Gab says in this episode, when you're just so sick of your own bullshit and you're just so sick of suffering, we're here for you. Especially Gabby is here for you if an eating disorder is where you need support. So please listen to this episode with an open heart, with an open mind. If you can't handle this energy today, if you don't want to be around this topic today, save it for a time when you are ready. And... Um, I'm just loving you and supporting you through this. And the last thing I want to say is that we still have that one last spot hanging out in Healer's School. And I don't know if it's meant to be filled or if it's meant to be the five of us. But um, depending on when you're listening to this episode, maybe you even fit, missed the first class. That's okay. Um, I'm not closing the doors yet because I don't know who might be out there thinking, you know, that they've just got to find the nerve to take that bold step forward. So if you've been thinking about it and you want to talk to me about it and you're ready to dive into it, just message me. Let's chat about it. I'm, I'm not going to push you into anything because this school is, it's serious. It's a big investment and it's a big, big investment of your time too. You're going to be working very hard because if you're going to be certified by me, in these three subjects, meditation teaching, Reiki, Reiki healing, and Akashic Records reading, you're going to be taking this work pretty seriously over the next six months. So I am just thrilled to be stepping into this leadership at this time in my life and to start teaching others to do the work that I do and crafting incredible, empowered, embodied healers all over the world. I just, this is such a huge next step for me. So those of you who are in the school, I love you so goddamn much. And I'm so, so, so grateful that you were willing to take a chance on me and be the first to go through this program. And just for all the rest of you who are listening and supporting me and loving me, when I went MIA off IG, so many of you messaged me just like, hey, are you okay? And um, I just got to say, like, this community that I have is everything to me, you guys. You are every, every, everything to me. So um, I hope that I can get these podcasts out in a more consistent manner in the future to keep supporting all of you. I have so many coming, so many on the way. So I hope you enjoy this episode today. I love you very much. And here it is, Coach Gab. 
Hello, hello, and welcome to Spiritually Queer, the podcast with me, your host, Jane Lyon. I am very excited today and a little bit nervous, but that's okay because I've got my coach here with me, so she's going to be here to guide us through it and to steer the ship. But yeah, today I have Coach Gabby here with me, also known as Nourished by Gab. And for all of you who have been listening, you know that this summer I decided to hire an eating disorder coach to help me out of the deep hole of a relapse that I was in at the beginning of the summer. And we have been working together for, I don't know, maybe six or seven months at this point now. And yeah, I'm like, how long? I can't believe there was a life before Coach Gab in my life. Um, But there was and that was very sad and difficult. And I think that's why I'm so excited to share you on the show today. So let me introduce you. Um, My coach, she is an eating disorder coach. I mean, I don't think that there's like a whole lot more that I need to say to describe you. But Gabby is just so down to earth, just the alternative to clinical therapy that I feel like I've been looking for for my whole life. And I'm really excited to share her with you guys today. So I'll let Gabby just share with us, you know, who are you today? Like taking away this label of Coach Gab as I see you. Who are you today? And how do you want to be seen? It's funny that you say taking away the label of coach, because I feel like that's like part of a big huge part of who I am. Today, I was at my acupuncture appointment just to give you a, an example. And he was like, what are you doing in your free time? And I'm like, like outside of work. And I was like, um, work. <laughs> like, I, that's just who I am. So um, yeah, I'm just to give you a brief introduction of how I guess I would describe myself. I'm Gabby or Gab, whatever you want to call me. Um, I am an Aries. I'm an Aries, fiery Aries. And I absolutely love helping people. I love just my coaching in general. I feel like, as like I said, just me as a person, I bring my whole self to my business and my coaching. And I love seeing people thrive. And I love helping people with my lived experience as well. But also, um, I have my degree in nutrition. So nutrition is a huge passion of mine. Uh, I love cooking. I love baking. I uh, got married last last year, 2021. I guess that was two years ago now, but crazy. And um, how I want to be seen today. I mean, I try to be as genuine and real as possible all the time. So whether I am coaching or just like in my normal everyday life in the kitchen making pancakes for breakfast, um, I want to be as real as possible with like who I am as a person, if that makes sense. So basically, Uh, it's like, no wonder like you guys, like, isn't she the perfect coach for me? Like that it's like, no wonder, you know, you're such a good match. A you're an Aries. I don't know why like Aries run as a pack. (laughs) (laughs) They really do though. (laughs) But I swear (laughs) the second someone's an Aries, I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. We're yeah. Like I understand now. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder. Like I trust you. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing that I love the most about you and why I'm so grateful. Like this is the only like coaching container program that I'm in right now. And I feel like it's really all that I need right now. And it means so much to me that my coach is such a heart centered, dedicated coach. Like that's what I resonate with so much. Like you work all the time, just like I do, because you just love it. You love serving people. You love like relieving suffering on this planet. You're so heart centered and passionate. And I felt that when I found you and I was just like, I was just so excited that someone out there even existed because I've I've been so lost in my own recovery journey since like leaving the clinical side of things and it's interesting because I actually 
actually feel like in our time together, you've been like unraveling the side of me that is clinically recovered and into being a real person. And I almost feel like I'm like diving right into like the crux of the conversation. But that's essentially what I was so excited about when I found you when I when I decided to hire you like my mom was like really pushing me to like find some help. And I was like, I don't want to do therapy again. Like I don't want to do it the same way I did. I was like, there's this coach I found on Instagram. Like I think I think we need to try something different. And yeah. It was just the best decision I ever made. I remember you told me you were following me for like six months. Or yeah. something. That? Oh yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my God, what did I say in the six months? Like, I, I have no <laughs> idea. But um, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head with the whole like stepping away from the clinical side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Because I talk a lot about like being recovered isn't only getting to a healthy weight for your body. Being recovered means that you also are healing in your mind and like the way you think about your body and the way you think about food and, you know, your relationship with both things. So you can, you know, go to a treatment center for anyone who's been in eating disorder treatment. You can go to a treatment center and, you know, restore your weight all day long and you can be discharged and be good to go weight wise. But in your mind, you're still, you know, holding on to those eating disorder thoughts. And that's what coaches do. Coaches help you get, you know, heal from those thoughts that are holding you back from living, like living basically a full recovered life. Yeah. And I think the biggest, the best part of working with you, like, so I hired you strategically because I think, I think all my listeners know this, you know, this me flying to Portugal was like the scariest thing I ever did. And the reason why I was so scared wasn't because I was going to be alone. It wasn't because I was going to be in a foreign country. None of that. It was, that I would have to eat every single day that I was traveling and that I would have to do it by myself. And that if I couldn't, literally nobody was going to be there to help me. And I was terrified. I was, I I still don't even like to think about how afraid I felt because even though I'm so far from that reality, it's still so real in my body. And so I think we had our first call, like my first week in- Portugal and I was in that tiny little apartment and on our first call, the I think the most powerful thing you did was help me realize that the power that my eating disorder that I thought it held over me wasn't actually that strong. And like it that actually I was doing okay. And that actually I wasn't that deep in the shit as I thought that I was. And I almost feel like so much of our calls are again, deconditioning this, I feel like so much of my treatment was like, you are anorexic, like you have something wrong with you. And you can't even trust in yourself to take care of you. And now I'm in this dynamic where I'm like, yeah, I just like I really just wanted like a chocolate croissant for breakfast. So like, that's what I had today with a coffee. And like, I don't know if that's okay or not. And you're like, that's cool. How was it? Sounds delicious. Actually, I'm literally like, (laughs) like, wow, it sounds really good. Um, You said something in that in that sentence that you said you're anorexic. Think about how like different this sentence besides say I'm like, you're anorexic versus you're struggling with anorexia. Like you are not that's not your identity. You're just struggling with that. Jane is not an anorexic. Jane is struggling with anorexia. Yeah. And and even like it. It's like I what I'm seeing in my head I'm, I'm trying to describe it's like you had to you've had to like pull that identity out of me 
Yeah. And like train me to believe that actually I am a normal person who has a healthy self somewhere in me that can make healthy decisions that can trust in herself. And that like, I'm not like, it's not actually my identity that I'm not like out of control of it. And and really, it's so weird that like our journey together, it's been so much less about dismantling my eating disorder and so much more about dismantling the way that the disorder mutated while in treatment, which is exactly what you said, my my body got healthier. And like all my vitals were good and all of that stuff there. But my brain was not that my brain had morphed into something where like the doctors were like, you seem good. This is good. And I was like, cool. They think I'm doing good. And it's like, if you really think about like anorexia and like the perfectionism that it is rooted in, I've had doctors say to me multiple times, oh, we love working with you like the restrictive anorexics like you because you're so eager to please and you're such you're such perfectionists that you'll like do what we say. And I'm like, yeah, we'll manipulate you into thinking that we're perfect. <laughs> like you, yeah. how, do, yeah. how can you... How can you not see past what I'm doing here? But I I didn't see that until I got on these calls with you. And I realized, you know, one of my biggest things was that like, if no one's around, I'm not going to eat. And it's like, wow, how long have I been like manipulating the world into believing that I eat all the time and that I'm fine, which I do. It's not like I'm hiding. Yeah. yeah. But that's that's just been one of the craziest things that we've like uncovered together. I think that I can't even believe I forgot to say this and we're already like what 10 minutes into this conversation I'm also recovered from anorexia don't know why I never said I mean it. I could have asked you something about you but I just don't no, I mean that. you did ask me to introduce myself and I that's a huge part yeah. of this whole thing I like to say I'm a recovered this very tongue twisty recovered certified eating disorder recovery coach like mm. 17 words right I love that. but yeah I think this is definitely something that um is important because I used I did say lived experience but I didn't say like, I'm actually recovered from anorexia. I use my lived experience to help other people. And I think that's why like, first off, Jane and I are both Aries and we both are perfectionists. And I think that I can relate to you so much in a way that like, yeah, like I do want to be perfect and I want to do everything that I feel like I should be doing. Right. But again, like where are those shoulds coming from? Like, where are those expectations coming from? Why do you have these thoughts in your mind of how things should be? And also I like to say, like, you can use that perfectionist perfectionistic trait in ways that will benefit you rather than ways that are going to be a liability. So like the eating disorder is a liability, but you can use your perfectionistic tendencies and detail oriented mindset for many other good things. But we choose to put our energy towards the restriction and the eating disorder. And I guess this feels like a good opening to you sharing more with us for those who are listening that um, first of all, something I always try to validate is that like, you don't have to be deep in the hole like I was like you don't have to be hospitalized like I was like you don't have to go into these dark places if you're struggling with food day to day meal to meal you deserve Mm -hmm. to like feel like you're in on this conversation and like open to help and support because we do cope that way you know I went through a really really hard breakup and before I knew it every morning that I was waking up I wasn't thinking about how heartbroken I was I was thinking about how the fuck am I going to eat three meals today to get enough calories to get through this day? That was all I could think about. And every morning that I woke up, 
I was like, this is, this should not, this is hell. First of all, this should not be the thought that I was having. And another thing, and I think I, this is when I realized like, oh, we're in relapse territory was when I got the first place I went to lunch in San Diego, they served me a sandwich that was cut in half. And I literally thought in my head, like, bitch, now I can only eat half of this. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I remember you saying that. I remember oh, yeah, my saying. eating disorder voice is like an angry one. And I was like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and that's when I realized, whoa, this part of me is coming in hot to help me cope right now. I just want you to talk more to us about like why that happens. Why are these weird things like restricting and binge eating and like messing with the food, the nutrition? Why does that happen when we're under stress and trauma? Yeah. So um, let me see, where do I start? So (laughs) many different places I could start. I want to say that an eating disorder is more of like a do I want to say side effect or mm-hmm. coping mechanism mm-hmm. um, where it does affect our bodies, of course, right? It affects our weight. It affects nutrition. It affects how our body functions, all of that. So we have physical side effects of the eating disorder, but the eating disorder is the coping mechanism that we use to obviously cope with other things going around. So yes, do we become like obsessed, especially like anorexia in general, do we become obsessed with our weight and like major fear of weight gain and, you know, fitting into the smallest clothes possible and all of that. But are you really wanting to be smaller to fit into a box that you're not supposed to fit into? Number one, metaphorically speaking. And then number two, it's a big sense of control, a form of control, right? Rather it's binging, restricting, purging, any of those things. Why do we feel like we can control other things by controlling our food? Because maybe you can see the number on the scale going down. Maybe we have like a tangible thing to look at. We can buy a smaller pair of jeans, not saying that we're at all at optimal health at that size, but it's a form of manipulation that like maybe something else in your life can't be manipulated, right? So I'll give you a perfect example, Um, something personal in my life when my eating disorder started, my parents were getting divorced and it was a really hard time. I was 18 and I went off to college and um, had to leave my sister at home with my parents who were trying to work things out. So I was removing myself from the situation, not by choice. I did not want to go to college. <laughs> I wanted to stay home with my sister. My dad was like, you're going. And I was like, I guess fine. So I was at college and, you know, I couldn't control what was happening at home. So I automatically just, I didn't know it at the time, but now I can kind of say it, right? Like, I'm like, I can control my food. I can, you know, be smaller in a sense. I can control this, this part of me that like, no one knows I'm trying to control either, right? No one can really see it yet. <laughs> People didn't see it. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, not being able to control things around you is definitely like the number one reason why it started for me anyway. Ooh, yeah, you are, yeah, hitting the nail on the head for for me too. And I think that, you know, as I kind of expand and think about, you know, other people's experience, I think that is what a lot of us are doing. I know that for me, I was also in college. I think that's when a lot of our mental health issues really come to the surface. I was so closeted. So it was like I was trying to keep this part of myself so under wrap and be the most perfect version of myself that I could. And for me, it almost became this weird, like obsessive addiction. Like, that's why I think, you know, we've talked about this in some of our group calls, like that there's kind of like this 
OCD comorbidity thing happening where like what drove me was waking up and stepping on the scale and seeing a half pound lighter every oh, day. Oh, for sure. And that like drove me. Yeah. And every day that I got through without, like, I would go to sleep and visualize in my mind, I would try to see like, it was the weirdest, the weirdest things that I would do just like reviewing in my mind, how little food I ate all day and just being like, you're doing so good. And it's weird, because it's like, this is what makes me believe in like brainwashing and all of this stuff. It's like, I basically I feel like I like brainwashed myself into believing that the more we focus on like eating as little as we can. And like the days when I didn't eat, I was like, you're a fucking rock star, like this <laughs> delusional world that I was living in. Yeah, I know that I still like I still can't even understand on what level I thought that I was safest living that way but that's the thing with that's why I relate to addicts so much even though I'm not one I was addicted to well I also think you eventually and this feels dark to even share but I think that you after a couple of days of not eating like your body starts to release all kinds of euphoric chemicals and your body's like we got to keep this girl alive like she isn't eating anymore and you start to like I really feel like I started to kind of slip away from reality a little bit because I was so malnourished and like I was like like living off of the fumes of my own body and you almost get addicted to that you do 1000 percent. i said i think i said this on a client call the other day i was like because um my client said something like i kind of like feeling hungry and i'm like yeah i was like it's like a feeling it's a euphoric feeling she's like yeah i don't know how else to describe it but that and i was like yeah like you're chasing the euphoria. But then it's like almost like a drug in a sense, like where you build up a tolerance to it and then you just want it more and more and more until like you're going down the path of no coming back. Yeah, until it's three months in and Wait, you, you you can't remember the last time you ate anything. That was me. I was like, I, and, and, and I was so like, I was so disoriented and my art classes at the time were three hours long and you had to stand in front of your easel. And I just remember like this one day being like, how am I gonna get, how am I gonna get through art like without fainting today? Like, how am I gonna do this? And then I was just like, just eat, eat like a couple apple slices. Like you can do this. Like you got to get through class today because somehow I was like going to class and like going to my job and like maintaining my grades and just like fully functioning and we were young not anymore oh my god if we could do yeah really though and I ate I ate like a couple slices of an apple and by the time I got to the art school I was just puking like I could not keep food down and for the rest of that week every time I tried and that was that was when I was like that was when I checked myself into treatment like wasn't long after that was like oh shit I'm so deep in this that I actually my body like can't even process food anymore like and I don't know if that was psychological or physical or what but I couldn't do it and that was like my big breaking point mm-hmm. probably both I think everyone comes to a breaking point I think sometimes treatment is their breaking point I think sometimes people go to treatment and don't even reach their breaking point. Mm -hmm. I think that it depends if their parents like force them to do it kind of thing. Um, But you treat, you did it yourself, right? I think that some, I just had a um, connection call not too long ago. And this, this girl was like, I'm sick and tired of this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, yes. (laughs) I was like, everyone was like, this is your breaking point. Everyone comes to a breaking point where you literally cannot live like this anymore. Whether it's your body's way of telling you that, or it's your mind's way of telling you that or both. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my, you know, that was my first, because it's funny how I checked myself into like the health center on campus. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just haven't eaten anything in three months. And they I don't were know like, what's wrong with me, but this is happening. I, that's how out of touch I was. And they were like, this is what's wrong with you. And I was like, I don't know. Can't be that. 
There's got to be something else. There's got to be something else wrong with me. So I was pretty resistant. And sadly, you know, it took me a couple of breaking points before I got really serious about my healing. And I got to say, like, everything that I just shared feels very dark to me and like not something I really like I don't I don't know if I've shared even all those details on this show before and the thing that I love so much about working with you is that you're just like oh yeah when you don't eat for three days you start to get high as fuck and it's addicting like that is so dark to me (laughs) but you're just like yeah totally we all understand you Jane It's, it's because it's because I get it like I the thing is like if you're not like real with what it actually feels like then like people are going to think that they're alone in this journey. Mm. Oh my God. I just got chills. Cause I've really never said this before. And I think I never really realized it before until like now, cause I'm actively talking about it, like about this exact thing. It's almost like people are just like, this is like, no one else can possibly be thinking this because it's so fucked up of a thought to think that like Mm. being hungry is like literally feels good. It's like, what? And people that have not been through eating disorder recovery and have not dealt with this probably are like, what the fuck? (laughs) But Mm. it's so true. And for the people out there who think that they're alone like you're totally not at all yeah so that's why I'm just like so real with it (sighs) because it's a thing yeah you're like yep that's a thing and and I think that you have this community with like your eat the cake collective and all your clients and everything that you know reminds me it's it's like sad and comforting you know like our big boxer chat like makes me sad sometimes and then I'm like wow I'm so glad that there's like 10 other girls having these same like crazy thoughts that I am having and we're all like supporting each other and like getting healthier and like becoming healthier and and so I think that's what's so beautiful about being open about it I know that for me what kept my eating disorder alive was keeping keeping it a secret. And every time I told somebody about it, which was the hardest thing to do, which led me to being able to like come out and like just stop being a liar in general. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I felt like every time I told someone that I was struggling with this disease, somebody would, every time I told someone I was struggling with this disorder, it would like break down the strength of it inside of me. And, and, and I think that that's, again, what working with you, like it's been breaking down that seriousness. Like the other day I was freaking out because I wasn't very hungry. I don't know much of an appetite. I haven't eaten much today. Oh my God, I'm spiraling. And you're like, Jaden, you're just not that hungry today. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, is that allowed? And you're like, yeah, maybe you're just not that hungry today. Like that's fine. Every day. That's the thing. Like here we go with the perfectionistic tendencies, right? (laughs) We expect, we expect to be able to eat the same thing every single day with the same amount every single day and feel the same exact way. But like in reality, every day is different. So like you're going to have to adjust what you need every single day of your life. No day is going to be the same. And this is why we feel out of control in the sense when things are different, because I mean, our eating disorder feels very familiar, right? Doesn't mean that it's safe, but it's familiar and we thrive on familiarity. So, because we feel safe there, but when things are different, you're like, fuck, what do I do? Is something wrong? But nothing's wrong. It's just your body. Your body's actually feeling again, too. When you start eating more, you're actually feeling things again. And that could be why, too. Oh, wow. It's almost like like the other day when I was freaking out about it and voice messaging you, which is just the best part of having a coach. Um, <laughs> Gabby! I, I'm like, Gabby, why aren't I hungry? You're like, everything's fine. 
I'm like, Gabby, I can't turn the stone on, stove on. And you're like, I will help you turn the stove on. Press the, bu- <laughs> press the button and hold. <laughs> like, I will get through this meal with you. Oh my gosh. I think that day when you messaged me back and you were like, maybe you're just not that hungry today. I was like, oh, hunger cues. I'm in touch with them. And maybe I can trust them and notice like, yeah, I think I had enough to eat for breakfast. And like, yeah, it's okay that like, I, this is what I want to eat for lunch. Like I don't need to, times are different. Days are different. Energy is different. And, and I think when I think about my life before I started working with you, it was like the eating disorder. I was, (laughs) I I really like awoken from this idea of like mindset work (laughs) and how much we can like use mindset to like completely bypass what's actually happening in our bodies because I was so I was clinging on to that recovered title. I was even on podcasts talking about how I'm recovered when in the back of my mind, I'm like, bitch, you've been struggling so hard. (laughs) Are you sure? But I didn't know what to do because nothing was extreme. I was eating. I was just having these annoying thoughts. I was stressed. I, every time a meal was approaching, I didn't know what to do, you know? And it's like this, it's this very like subliminal, evasive, confusing kind of voice inside of you. And what you don't want to do is tell someone about it and have them freak the fuck out and panic. And then you go to treatment where they're like, if you keep this up, you'll die. Like people just in treatment had me so freaked out that I was going to die. Yeah. That I was like, I can never trust myself again if I got myself this deep in the hole. Like, obviously, I should never, ever, ever, ever trust in myself to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So hiring you to just be a sounding board day to day and help me, like, distinguish what is the eating disorder and what is myself has been just life changing because I'm no longer like floating in the abyss of like, am I mentally ill or am I recovered? I'm not sure. (laughs) There's a big in between there too. Like also like, you know, and I've talked about this before is like your eating disorder is you like, there's a lot of different. All right. Let me just clarify this. Let me clarify this. There are different outlooks with recovery. You can externalize the eating disorder, which is like saying like the eating disorder is an like external factor, right? It's like a different person and you can give it a name, whatever. Um, But I think, you know, that I basically have my clients like take responsibility for their eating disorder because it is thoughts that you are having, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your eating disorder self. And then you have your core self, which is your healthy self, this Jane at your at her core. Mm-hmm. So when you are recovered and some people think you're always recovering I think it's again another controversial topic of like what do you truly believe in I I truly believe in that you can be recovered but when you are recovered those two sides of you like come into one whole person right so it's not necessarily like your eating disorder self anymore it's like just you right Mm -hmm. the part of the integration process that takes the longest I think is for those little thoughts to disappear even if you aren't acting on them that can be that can take a really long time so patience is like really important (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like not pushing yourself to be fully recovered like there's no need to push myself to be like wearing that as some badge of honor when like I am in recovery still and I think that almost wearing that badge of honor made the fall (laughs) from recovered hurt even more whereas even though like right now and like you know this like right now I feel 
feel so on top of my shit. I feel so on my game. Like that voice in my head is like really not messing with me right now. Yeah. And it's, and it's almost like I'm looking for those deeper things, the deeper ways that that perfectionism comes out and those coping skills come out. And I'm still considering myself in recovery. Yeah. I mean, it also 100%. just depends. Like I, I have people that I've known that, you know, are in recovery and they're like, I'm just always recovering. Mm-hmm. Like, that's great. That's fine. Like, you know, whatever you f- align with, right? Like I align with being fully recovered. Now, do I think that I have struggled with my eating disorder for a very long time and like orthorexia, like I had this, like, I call it a pseudo recovery phase of my life where I thought Mm -hmm. I was recovered, but I really wasn't. I was just like really obsessed with eating healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm recovered, but like, here's my low calorie brownie recipe that I've made with (laughs) black beans, right? Like, no, (laughs) it's like, I was like very obsessed with like eating clean, whatever that means like different meaning for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had this like really long period of pseudo recovery. And I think that's why like now I can say that I am fully recovered because I was in that period of pseudo recovery, right? Like I wasn't making healthy choices for healthy choices. Like what I'm saying, I was going to the gym to like manipulate how my body looks, not because Mm -hmm. of what feels good. Right. Mm -hmm. Just depends on like the why behind things. And this does not mean that I'm perfect. This does not mean that I have don't have bad body image days. It just means that I like am more confident than ever that I can like handle it mm-hmm. and things will be okay. And I, I don't cope with eating disorder behaviors. I, I love when like on a call, Gabby will just bring up the definition of what it means to be recovered. <laughs> <laughs> that is just literally what I did. Like by yeah, accident. That was what she just barely did was like... <laughs> wagging her finger. Okay, there's a couple of things that stood out to me. And I think one big one that has been on my mind a lot actually is not working out to manipulate your body. And I've dated a lot of people who work out to manipulate their body, like no shade, like, you know, bodybuilders, things like that, where it's very, very focused on actually changing the physique. Though I didn't now that I'm out of that. And I'm like, just noticing that like the people I hang out with, like, just work out to like, feel good. And like, they don't really care what like the result looks like physically. I'm like, whoa, I didn't realize how how much of that world I was even in just like being in like fitness and yoga and all of that, like working out to manipulate your body. So that was something I just wanted to like highlight because it's been on my mind a lot. But what I want you to share with us is just how did you go from being unwell and your mm-hmm. recovery journey to saying, okay, I'm going to coach people on this. Oh, man. I, okay. When did this happen? All right. So I'm going to preface it with this. I often think recovery, and I've told you this before, I think, I think it's like not a switch. Like people often think like, oh, like I'm better. Like I'm recovered and you flick a switch and you're good. I like to think of it as a dimmer. So like if you are slowly dimming a light in a room, for example, and all of a sudden it's black. It's like pitch black. And you're like, oh shit. Like, how did it get this dark? Or like, maybe you're outside at like, is dusk? Dusk is at night, right? Dawn is in the morning. Dusk is at night. If you're outside at dusk and the, the sun is setting and you're like, oh my God, it's like dark. And like the sun's gone. Like that's exactly how I explain what recovered, like recovery and recovered feels like, because you're like, oh shit. Like I'm not worried about how much rice is on the sushi roll. Like, this is weird. Or like, I'm not worried about whether this restaurant cooked this in butter or oil and how much they cook it in, right? Like all of a sudden the thoughts are like, maybe they're there, but I don't care about them as much anymore. And you're like, oh shit. 
So how did I go from being unwell to wanting to coach others? I think that I honestly just wanted to help people get to where I am because I didn't have anyone to help me. I didn't have a coach. Coach, Coaching like didn't really exist when I was like 18. I'm 32. When I was 18, like I had no help. Like I saw a therapist, but not for my eating disorder. Like I absolutely had no help. And I was like, I want to help people with my lived experience. And honestly, I think having a coach is maybe more powerful. Like not saying that a coach should replace a therapist or replace a dietitian. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that it's so powerful to have a coach on your team because, because of the lived experience and because I can understand not specifically how you're feeling because I'm a completely different person, but I can understand the process and the struggles, of course. I don't know if that answered your question. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, oh my God, there's like so many things I want to say. Hey, I'm thinking about how when I was in treatment and like my team, right? You said team and I had a team, right? I had my nurse practitioner. I had my nutritionist that I thought was the worst person in the world. And then I had my therapist, which I thought like low key, like was trying to ruin me. Like, it's funny to think back on the mindset I had when I was in my first and my second round of treatment. I think I was even more angry in my second round of treatment, like even more mistrusting of everybody. <laughs> the and, it, and it's funny because I, I can't even trust my mindset at the time because of course all these people were out to get me. Like they were trying to take away oh. like my drugs, basically. They were trying to take away all of these things that I had built my whole personality around. And so it's funny to think about like the way that I saw my nutritionist and my therapist as like untrustworthy almost. Like mm-hmm. it was really hard for me to open up to them. And I think the hardest thing about my therapist was that she was very, very, very professional and very clinical. She wouldn't share one thing with me about her life. And on our first session, I said, Have you, do you struggle with the eating disorders? Like, is this something you've overcome? And she's like, hmm, I'm curious why you're asking me that. And I'm like, because I, I like want to know if, you, yeah, yeah, I'm like, because I want to know if you have any experience in this. Like, uh, it's, it's important to, to me to know if you relate. And she's like, hmm, I wonder how that would help you if you knew that I, that I had that shared experience. I'm like, because then I'm going to trust you more. Like, why aren't you answering any of my questions? Like <laughs> I had the weirdest, I had the, I love my nurse practitioners were great, but I had the weirdest teams and I had a really hard time understanding why somebody a hardly anyone in the medical field is actually trained in this like all the times I went to the emergency room nobody had any idea what my chart meant they had no understanding of any relation to anything I realized I needed to find only specialized nurse practitioners only specialized therapists only specialized dietitians Mm -hmm. that was really really hard then once I found them they didn't even have any experience. They like got their PhD and like did this as their graduate and like this is what they do. And so I was very frustrated with that. And so it's really interesting to be here now and reflect and feel like I have a coach who's like, oh, I'm on your side. Like I'm not trying to take this away. Like you're not here to take my eating disorder away from me. No, did I tell you on the first <laughs> session? I'm pretty positive that I say say this to every single person, but I very much remember talking to you about it. I'm like, I'm not here to make you do it anything. I'm here to guide you in the direction that you want to go into. Like I, I, I have a couple clients who are like, I don't want to change anything. I'm like, okay, great. Your healthy self is obviously here for a reason, correct? So like mm-hmm. the step in meeting with me in general is a step in the right direction. Oh, And then yeah. later on this, this same client was just like, 
like making decisions for herself, like recovery focused decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look at you doing it on her own time. I do think it's important though, if you're not medically stable, that like, obviously we need to like get you medically stable, right? Like that's the first. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Like I would never take a client on if they were not medically stable and not working with the team. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. that. Important. Very important for a coach because I'm not like, yes, I have my degree in nutrition. I have my master's in nutrition. That's great. But I'm not a doctor, mm-hmm. not a dietitian. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I have to be careful as a coach to stay in my scope as well. And I also think that's super important to, to, to say just mm-hmm. in general that I am very, very careful with that because as a professional, I don't want to do more harm than good. Of course not. Yes. Of course you're in integrity and, you know, and, and for, for me, because my disorder like destroyed my health, I really try to go see that same nurse practitioner once a year to just, you know, get my blood work done and look over everything. And honestly, like have her be like the ticker still ticking, like you're looking good. Yeah. Because you never know what kind of like my second round of recovery or of treatment was so much more brutal because finally all the damage of my 19 year old self had manifested in my 21 year old self and it was like I was I was spending more time like actually in the doctor being treated and then like doing mental health stuff so so that is so important and I yeah I want to make sure that everybody (laughs) knows that they're like you you I needed a team I did need a team and I wish I wish (coughs) that I had just had Gabby so that I could be like Gabby this nutritionist she's out to get me I swear she wants to kill me I swear (laughs) she does not want me to survive and you would be like Jane calm down let's talk about the nutritionist, you know, because I didn't trust anyone on my team. And I think that when I hired you as a coach and I realized you, I feel like I could call you and I'd be, I could be like, Gabby, I am not going to eat today. I refuse to. And you would be like, okay, thanks for telling me. We're going to see how this goes for you and what the consequences are. And I'll, and yes. I'm right here. You're not going to freak out, you know? And it's like, oh, so then that takes power away from like all of the drama of everything. Or I would ask you, like, what is happening in your life right now? And we, <laughs> you're, like, you you're like, Jane, I wouldn't just say, okay. You're like, I was like, I'm Jane, come on. I would literally be like, all right, like, what is happening that you feel like you can't eat? And then yeah. we would kind of go into that. But yes, like, absolutely. I think that first off, dietitians and nutritionists are probably like the, like, love them for what they do, but they're probably the most hated person on the treatment team because they're giving the nutrition yeah you know, prescription pretty much like, Hey, this is your meal plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, obviously that's the last thing you want to do. Oh yeah. But last thing. Yeah. But also like as a coach, I do, I, if you came to me and you had a team, if you had a dietitian and a therapist and you were like, I want to add a coach to my treatment team, I'd also be in contact with those people. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So I'd see both sides. Mm-hmm. And you'd get to be like, I talked to your nutritionist and I'm really sure she's not trying to kill you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's like actually a really nice person and <laughs> she's just looking out for your well-being. <laughs> right. And I'd be like, okay, I think, I think I trust you. And yeah, we need someone like almost just like a guide who can just like be there day to day. And that's the, I think that's been the most fruitful aspect of our work is that, Hey, I've been in solitude since we started working together. I've been by myself. I've been living by myself. I've been traveling by myself. And I've been able to notice what happens in those moments where it's like, okay, it's time to have lunch. And then I hear the voices and the things telling me not to, or the reasons or whatever. And I can just voice message you and be like, whoa. So these are like the weird thoughts that I'm having in my head. And we can just talk about it and, and unpack some of that. And so 
I actually feel like for the first time in my life, instead of just being like, I ate my meals and like, I'm doing this and like, I'm doing what I'm being told to do. I'm like actually doing deep healing because we're actually getting deeper and deeper underneath these things. And I'm not just like, Gab, I've been eating. My weight's good. Like, I'm fine. Like, sayonara. I don't need you anymore. Like, I want you always so that we can just keep on finding these little energetics that are still there. Because I think that for me, the scariest thing was that I thought that I was so far away from this disorder. And then I went through that awful breakup and was like, oh my God, it's like fully alive in me. Yeah. And I think that like, when you say like, you just said like, you know, my weight's good. I'm eating all my meals. Like, I think there are boxes that we can check and then boxes that we don't know that they're, that they're there. Yes. You feel? Yes. That's exactly what I mean. Yes. And I, we can't find those boxes because eating disorders are like the most complex thing. The way that they apply, the way that they show up for everyone is so different that like, I, I want to be in like, constant like gentle loving observation of what's happening whereas before I was so afraid of the disorder that when I saw any energetics of it I was like no don't look at that like that's not happening you're fine you're good everything's fine yeah now I can be like oh this is interesting I'm gonna share this with Gab and it's like more of like an experiment of like how much can I heal this so that maybe I can like I don't know pass that healing on to like all of the other women in the world that suffered and and men and men yes yeah, that suffer from yes that I love how you added that in there um because <laughs> <laughs> it's not really like talked about enough that like all genders mm-hmm. um suffer with eating disorders and also uh the company that I work for called equip equip health they are family-based eating disorder treatment company and It's all virtual. It's great. I actually work as a peer mentor there and we offer gender affirming care. So I know it's just great. Like it's really just great. It's interesting that you say that because I was, I was writing a little blog this morning and, and we were talking a, a little bit about Glennon Doyle this morning and how much I love her and something that I've noticed, which is why I love that you have this kind of like gender affirming care in your practice is that I feel like so many queer people I know have these crazy gnarly history of eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I, this morning I was realizing like, it's a lot of body dysmorphia. Like I was so uncomfortable with like my feminine form as it started growing and I wanted it to be smaller. And I didn't like the attention from men. I didn't like the way that men were looking at me. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how can we shrink? How can we be smaller? You know, and I and I really think that that like actual fear of like me being a female in this world and being gay is like so like me existing is just like so not right and not okay. And like the, you know, we always talk about body dysmorphia. And this morning I was like really in this contemplation of like gender dysmorphia, like just feeling so uncomfortable in your actual skin and not really knowing why. And and so that's why, you know, that's a big part of the reason why I have this show Queer Spirituality. It's like queer healing because so many of us in in my specific community even though we've come out of the closet and we're like proud of who we are it doesn't mean that on some subconscious level you weren't berated your entire life and deeply internalized all of that this like wasn't like being gay and being queer like wasn't really accepted until like I remember going to college and my one friend told me that he was gay and he was so afraid that his parents were how his parents were going to react like it was just a really sad thing to watch like that mm-hmm. like he thought that he wasn't going to be accepted mm-hmm. in 
in this world. And I think that has a lot to do with like the lack of control that you have. Like you, you know, I don't have experience with it. Like I'm a straight heterosexual <laughs> cisgender female, like, right. Like, yes, thank you for like, clarifying. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I don't have lived experience with this, but I do have like lived experience with like a friend going through it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's like a lack of control side of things too. And mm-hmm. coincidentally, he also suffered with an eating disorder at the same time as me. So like, me and him were just fueling off of each other. It's great. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's a thing. And I think it's, um, the lack of control. Like we can't control what other people think we can't control what other people do. We try to shrink ourselves into like the body that we want to be in because we're so uncomfortable with like the skin that we're in that, Mm -hmm. you know, we turn to manipulation of food. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted this, um, episode and, and, and I think, you know, someday when I have you back on my show, we can go into this subject because I totally wanted to go there today, but I'm like, wait, no, we, we've, we've, we've got so much other things to talk about, but you know, on, on my podcast, I actually feel like I do talk about Glenna Doyle a lot and Abby yes. Wambach and like my obsession and her stating on her podcast, I am experiencing re- a relapse right now. And her saying like, I'm going back into like full-time treatment, um, like with the team and everything, I'm getting really serious about it. It inspired me so much to be like, wow, she can be a leader. And she can also admit that like she's struggling and that she's relapsing and that she's in treatment. And, and yeah, it it really gave me this room and this permission of like, I can admit that I've relapsed right now. And even her saying like her reflecting that like it was her thoughts, it was in her thoughts. And I was like, oh my God, me too. (laughs) You know, it, it, it pushed me to like get help and it pushed me to you. And, and I'm still listening to her show all the time, getting her updates and feeling like I'm not alone. And I know that there's some, um, what's the word, some polarity around that, some, some maybe drama within the world, within the, within your industry around that. But for me, that's actually what inspired me. I'm not nervous anymore, but boy, before we got on this call, I'm like, Gab, I'm glad you're you're here. I was like, like, don't be nervous. I'm like, Gabby, it's not you that makes me nervous. I'm like, glad you're here so that you could make me not be so nervous because I was, I'm worried to share I don't want to trigger anyone. I don't want anyone to compare their experience to me. I don't want anyone to feel like they had to get as bad as I got in order to get help. And so my my whole intention for this show is, A, if you're listening and you struggle at all, you're not alone. We're here. We're supporting you. We're loving you. Like I hope that by me, that by me sharing this, I can maybe one person that's listening will be like, oh man, I think I need to talk to someone. I think I want to get help. Or if you're on your recovery journey you feel supported and you can see like gab and jane were able to have these conversations in this more recovered spot and what this is leading me to is actually the a big reason why i wanted to hire you is because actually the book that you're trained in Mm -hmm. is actually the book that one of my therapists gave me the eight keys to recovery is what it's called yeah and that was like that book, I literally have it. I read it on my computer. Eight Keys to Recovery from an Eating Disorder by Carolyn Costin. That book, for anyone who's listening, that book, the workbook, and I did that before we met. That was like while I was in treatment and I got to this point, she's got the workbook. <laughs> you get a workbook. You get a workbook. Um, yeah, I that book a, that book inspired me so much when I started reading it. it. It really was like one of the first programs where I like 
like a huge part of that book that I literally just taught my class last night is visualizing a day in your life when you're recovered that blew me away but the the big things I loved about that book was a the doctors who wrote it both had eating disorders interesting how that helps I don't know Carolyn Coffin is a therapist but also has an eating had had an eating disorder Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, which was to me like at that point in my treatment I was like groundbreaking I love this they're speaking (laughs) from experience I don't know why I can't find this anywhere and b that book was the first time that anyone had offered to me the idea that someday you could be recovered from this. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, so there, because let's be real. If you don't know how to eat, you're in hell. And yes. if they're telling you, sorry, Jane, you're going to deal with this your whole life. And I, again, I think that's my struggle with the clinical setting. They were giving me no reason to live. They were literally giving me no reason to get like through so this. Unmotivating. Yeah. Like you'll never fully be recovered. You'll struggle like this every day. We're so sorry. You need to take all this medication just so that you can not have anxiety so that you'll eat your food. And I was just like, and that's when Buddhism saved my life. Right. Because Buddhism was like, no, there's a reason for you to be alive. Like we're going to inspire you and like give you a philosophical meaning to the existential crisis <laughs> that you're in. But reading in that book, you can be recovered. Yeah. And I might've been like year or two past my like second relapse at this point. Like you can be recovered. I took that book so seriously after I read that. You I did every- talk a lot about the healthy self and the eating disorder self. Yeah. Like a lot. There's a whole like, I think key two is healthy self and eating disorder self. It's literally what it, the key two is like the important. Yeah. Life-changing. Yeah. I did every assignment in that book. Probably the first program I ever just worked. Like first program, I was like, I'm putting this to work. I did every single thing in that. And actually that book is what helped me get to a more stable place with myself. So that's what I was so excited about when I met you is that you did that. And so I was wondering if you wanted to just, because I think, I feel like there's got to be people listening who are like, wait a minute, you're telling me that instead of going to get a social worker's degree, I could like get certified and start learning to coach people and support other people in this. Like, I'd love to just kind of hear about what the certification was like and kind of starting your business of supporting people this way. Yeah. So before I actually got like a certification, I was actually an intuitive eating coach because Mm. of my master's in nutrition, right? Like Mm -hmm. I have the nutrition degree and I had experience with intuitive eating, right? Like I kind of like was like learning about my body and like fueling it to the best of my ability. And then I was nervous to go into the eating disorder space without being certified because it's such a touchy subject Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Mm -hmm. it can definitely be um, heavy. And I wanted to know more about it because just my lived experience, like not saying that that's bad. Cause I feel like lived experiences means so much in this work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know how to talk to people in this, you know, it, like basically everything that I learned in the Carol, I went to the Carolyn Carlson Institute, like the woman <laughs> yeah. who wrote the book, like that's the whole, the whole thing, like all the keys. That's like what I was trained on. Right. So I decided to get certified. I think I was looking into, it's funny that you mentioned all of this because I wanted to be a registered dietitian when I was like, when I graduated college, I was like, I'm going back to school to be a dietitian. Then I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't think that that would help in what I want to do. So I was like, what about a therapist? I want to work with eating disorders. Like I want to be a therapist. And then I found the cert and I was like, I already have my master's in nutrition. Why am I going to go get a whole nother master's degree? It doesn't, didn't make any sense to me. I'm landing. I've landed 
I should say, because I'm already here. <laughs> I've landed in the exact spot that I want to be in. It's insane. I think about it on the daily. I'm just like, wow, remember when I wanted to go back? I like call different schools. I was like, this is, I need to have like the credentials. Like I need to be, have the RD after my last name or after my name. I was like, I know. No, I don't. I was like, I have credentials, but in a totally different form than what I thought I needed. Mm-hmm. And coaching is like a really an, a new and up and coming thing, to be honest. Like there's not many of us. I think there's maybe a little over a hundred coaches in the world right now certified through the mm-hmm. Carolyn Carson Institute. Wow. I so love that. That's why it's so hard to find help because there's not many people like doing this work. And could I have found this 10 years ago? Probably not. Um, probably not. So it just kind of worked out. Always trust the universe. That's a, that's the thing you got to trust. And I kind of like let go once I let go of expectations and like kind of just was open to receiving, but not just sitting back and waiting, manifesting the opportunities. I think mm-hmm. that's like, kind of like kept my options open, always looking for it, blah, blah, blah. And I found it and I was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that I was already coaching intuitive eating. So I pivoted yeah. and it oh. just worked out. I love that. It's like, instead of, I think that people get really focused on like, you know, you want to manifest something and you're focused on like, this is how I will do it. I will go to school and become a doctor for it. Like, and we're so conditioned to believe that like, you got to go back. Like my, my sweet dad, he still asks me like, so when are you going to go back to school? You know what, you know, with that LCSW after your name, like your business will just take off. And I'm like, actually, I think it would smother my business and kill it really quickly. But like, I know what you mean. You want me to legitimize my work. And I think a lot of us in our generation are like, that literally means nothing. There's so many ways to legitimize yourself. So I'm glad that you went for a different round because, you know, there was someone out there like me who was like, I don't want to deal with another social worker or a psychologist or like, I I need someone who is coming in from a different approach. I actually started coaching before I was, I was coaching while I was going through the program. So I feel like I got really lucky in the sense where I could like literally practice what I was learning on clients, Mm -hmm. like on my clients. Right. Because, you know, has it made me a better coach? Absolutely. I, my whole, my whole life has changed since the eight keys book. So please, if you're struggling buy the freaking book, it's on Amazon. Um, because it really is an amazing, it's an amazing, um, what's the word I'm looking for approach. Cause like I said, there are different approaches. People think you're always in recovery. And then some people think that recovery is possible, like fully mm-hmm. recovered. I mean, mm-hmm. it really just depends on like the person there could be another person in this world. That's like, Oh my God, fully recovered seems really overwhelming right now. I just like mm-hmm. to focus on like the recovering aspect right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. You're such an amazing guide. I'm like checking the time because I know that we can talk for hours. Okay. We're doing, we're doing all right. Um, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. There's, <laughs> God, there's, there's so many, there's so many things that you know, there's so many other things that I, I think that I could ask you, but I think the best, you know, my last couple of questions a will be if someone who is listening wants to come and get to know you or find you or learn more about your work, where can we send them? Instagram probably. Um, but I do have a website, which is beautiful. My, one of my clients did it and she's amazing. Um, you can find me at, on Instagram at nourished by Gab or my website's literally the same nourished by gab.com. Um, so easy peasy. And then I do have an email. I think it's hello at nourished by gab.com, which is also easy. So very straightforward. (laughs) I'll put all of 
your information because you're you're still taking clients right like if someone wanted to come work with you yeah you have openings yep beautiful yeah I'll put all of her information in there if you're feeling like you either just want to dm Gabby to say hi I mean (laughs) I know that I'm like let's rewind to how much bravery it took for me to dm Gabby after (laughs) following her for six months and say I want to book a call with you. And I think the best part was that like you had the next day open and I was like, tomorrow. You literally booked the call before DMing me. Did I? Mm-hmm. I like booked it. And then I was like, oh shit, I I, do, I booked a call with you. Hi. You booked now it with I'm me. Stuck. And I think then I DM'd you. Oh, maybe. I was like, oh, she's been, she's already following me. I was pretty gone at that point. So I don't even remember. I was like, hey, <laughs> see you tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. And it, it you know, it really took, so I was like, how long am I going to follow this girl before I actually admit that I need her help? And and so I think just thinking about, you know, anyone going to follow you and DM you, like I just acknowledge the courage that it would take to even reach out to someone like Gabby. Like I can't imagine being a coach in, in like your industry, like someone reaching out to you for help. That is a lead. Like that is a, a big, courageous person reaching out to you to, to help you. and um. Gabby's just amazing in general. So, so I just want to put that out there. It's super brave. If anyone reaches out to her for help, I will cry. Yeah. And she's like super nice and not scary. So I like to keep it real here. Like also like you said this in the middle of our conversation, but I wanted to touch on it now because you just reminded me, I am not above you, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not above you. I'm just like a little bit further along in my journey. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not like, like I think sometimes in clinical settings, the people will be like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm above you. Like not mm. without saying it. Right. But like, yeah, yes, I'm here to guide you, but like I'm on the same level. That's what makes you such a great coach. Like, I think what makes a great coach is not like pedestalizing yourself and just being like, oh, I'm, I know you because I was you. And I'm just like a couple of steps ahead. And so I can just like guide you in the next couple of steps. But like, we're walking down this together and like, we're in it together. And that feeling of that feeling of not being alone in this like mental illness that apparently is still existing in my body that I still need to like be aware (laughs) of, which is like really hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes. But that's just it. It's kind of like, oh, I've got I've got a person for that now. Like, yeah, it's not something I need to deal with on my own anymore. And I just think back on how miserable I was when it was just that constant thought in my head of like, are you okay? Like, are you relapsing? Like, what the fuck are you going to do about this? It's like, now it's Gabby's problem. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily mean you've gone backwards either. That's the whole thing. Like relapsing often is Mm -hmm. like, oh shit, like now I'm back to where I was. Like, no, you aren't. Mm -hmm. You're just, you know, jumping over another hurdle that is just, you know, it's just a different path than you thought you were going to take. Yeah. I think that's what I was going to say. I was going to say something, but I think that was it pretty much. Like you're never going back. It's just, it's just the journey is not linear and we can't expect it to be. Yeah. It was almost like just like a new layer of healing that needed to happen appeared to me. And I think I let it put me down when really it was like, I was aware of this like deeper thing I needed to work through. Absolutely. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. This will be my last question for you. I know that you don't really identify with the word queer, but I know that you identify with the word spiritual. And so I was wondering if you could just divulge for us, what do these words mean to you? How do you relate to them? So like I said, I had a bunch of friends going through, you know, coming out of the closet, as you would say. Um, (laughs) I think that the word queer Yes, no personal experience there. 
but working at Equip and have gender affirming care and, you know, just respecting people's pronouns and who they want to be, mm-hmm. be who mm-hmm. the fuck you want to be. Like, you don't even have to put a label on it. Like, just be you. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? That. Yeah. I'm really emotional, oh. but like, it's so oh. true. Just like, be who you want to fucking be. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. who you want to be. I'll still like, love you for who you are. And like, that's mm-hmm. how the world should be. So I don't know if that I even answered mm-hmm. that question, that but that's beautiful. what I think about. And then spiritual, I think that there are, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a Catholic church setting. Woohoo! Um, so it was very like, stand up, sit down, do this, do that. This is wrong. This is right. Like, you can't be gay. Right. Like you can't, you know, I don't know, just like there's so many rules and it almost reminds me of like what an eating disorder is in a sense. Oh my God. There are so many rules and everything's so rigid not to hate any kind of, okay. I still go to church sometimes. Right. Like I grew up, I have my confirmation. I have my communion, whatever the case may be. I'm just saying that you can believe in whatever you want to believe in. And there are no rules whatsoever. Like just because you can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, it kind of goes with my definition or what I think of when I think of queer, like right? just who the fuck you want to be. And that's, yes. that's it. You know, yes. you don't have to please anyone else either. Ugh. I just went on a rampage. I feel like <laughs> rampage you guys. No, I love that because it's, and I think that's like the message I'm trying to get across with this idea of spiritually queer is that it's like liberation in all levels. Like, there yeah. are no rules. Like what you said, there are no rules. Be who the fuck you are. It doesn't matter what you label yourself with. If this is yeah. how you want to be called, named, described, all of these. And it's like, we have the queer aspect of ourselves. That's really just, you know, the queer community is really just like an invitation for you to like be exactly who you are. And mm-hmm. the spiritual side is for you to um, like be the divine person that you are and and let go of the, this <laughs> This image of like mass that you're describing, it's like reminding me of when I was a kid and I would kneel to pray on the pews, right? Like after um after communion and be like, dear God, I hope I'm praying to you the right way. I yeah. hope this message is getting through. <laughs> exactly. Like doing it the right way. And like there's no yeah. right way to recover. There's no right way to do really anything. It's just gotta mm-hmm. be your way, like the right way for you. That is, and I think that is what makes you, like, part of me wants to have a whole nother conversation with you about what makes you such a good coach and what makes coaching good coaching. Because I feel like you're, you're the one coach in my life that I really should not have secrets from. Like, if I'm keeping something from you, that's a red flag to me. And then I'm like, okay, I should tell Gabby, like, and it's not like I really have anything that I'm like ashamed (laughs) of to tell you. But that's the thing. That's what makes you such a good coach is that I can be like, Gabby, I smoked so much weed on Saturday. I was so burnt out. Like I hated myself by the end of the day. What's wrong with me? And you're just like, cool, you did that. Like, you know, not a big, not a big deal. Like, again, I'm acting like Abby just, Gabby just says like, cool to everything. Every every time I have a problem, Gabby's just like, cool. But really, it's just this like allowing everybody to be who they are and creating like a very safe space for us to be exactly who we are so that we can realize that actually there's nothing wrong with us Mm -hmm. and that we're just learning to be very healthy and it's so simple exactly oh my goodness I'm so grateful for you Gab you have no idea thank you so much for having me yeah yes I think you'll oh my god the kitty I love this cat (laughs) 
reaches their little hands up. It's so freaking cute. This is just in time to say bye. It's like, just want to say bye, Maverick, with your pretty eyes. Oh my God, what a cute cat. My baby. It's not a call with Gab without the cats jumping in. No, it's not. Thank God he came. Say hi. I would have been like, does he not like me anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, well, we got to wrap this up. I got to let you get back to your amazing life of coaching young people and changing the world. So thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you so much for being visible and present and committed to your work so that I could find you and find this stability through working with you. I'm so eternally grateful for you and everybody who's listening I hope you go give her a follow and know that if you resonated with any of these things we talked about today, you're not alone and we love you. Love you. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it felt inspiring to your being. Please share this show with someone who you think might need to hear this message today. Spread the love and spread the light. And if you really loved it, you can leave us a rating and a review so that even more cool homies can tune into this show as well. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one or joining one of my programs like Sunrise or Sanctuary, check out my website, janelion.me. Links are all in the show notes. May you go into the world today and be more kind, more compassionate, and more loving towards yourself and others than you were yesterday. And I love you. And I cannot wait to see you for the next episode.